thank you for serving each other because somebody needed to just say, it's well, it's well, it's well with my soul. Good morning, Grace City. We are in the fourth week of our beloved community series. Week one, we began talking about the way to the beloved community. Jesus said to his disciples that he, to the beloved community that he loved them, Brendan, and he loved them to the end. Bob continued and said in chapter 13 that there's a different type of love. And then he continued in verse 14, chapter 14, verse 1, where it begins like this. Let not your heart be troubled. You who believe in God believes also in me. And he said, he talked about the way to the Father. And this week, I'm at a book in at verse at chapter 27, where the chapter opens, let not your heart be troubled. But then the book in is let not your heart be troubled and don't be afraid. So let's read our scripture this morning, verse 27. I'm going to begin at 25 and go to 27. And uh, we'll, we'll read it in your hearing. You may be seated in his presence. Here it is. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. Do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And don't be afraid. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you so much for the word this morning. Father, you are the potter. I am the clay. Mold me, shape me, make me, break me to what you need me to be. Holy Spirit, we give you full authority. Minister through my mind. Speak with my tongue. Love with my heart. And God, we trust you in advance for what you're going to do with this word this morning. And God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Verse 27 grabs our attention this morning. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. And I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and don't be afraid. For the time that's mine this morning, I just for a little while want to preach from the title, The Way to Peace. The Way to Peace. Grace City, when I look at the chaos in this world, the pain and trauma from violence, the mistreatment of humanity, the uncertainty that comes from a pandemic, it is no doubt that we can all agree we need peace on earth. Almost a million people have died from COVID-19. I think we can agree we need peace on earth. Political parties more divided, race and gender more divided than ever before. I think, Jaquina, we can agree that we need peace on earth. Right here in Baltimore, for 10 years in a row, over 300 people have died from homicide. I think we can agree, Grace City, that we need peace on earth. 
You know, peace on earth or world peace is this concept and this idea or state of happiness, freedom and peace within and amongst all people in all nations on a planet and on earth. Different cultures and religions and philosophies and organizations have various concepts on how to get this peace. Various religions and secular organizations have different ways of gaining peace. Some address it through human rights. Some address it through technology. Some address it through education. Some through engineering, medicine, or diplomacy. All trying to bring peace on Earth. Since 1945, Bob, the United Nations have tried to bring peace. Uh, they, they had a, what they call a security council where China, France, Russia, the United Kingdom, and the United States have operated out of the aim to resolve conflict without war and peace across the globe. I will ask the question, how's that working out for us? <laughs> Nonetheless, nations have entered numerous military conflicts since then. The peace that the world tries to give is by removing trouble in the world. Remove the chaos to get peace. Remove COVID-19 and we can get peace. Remove division and strife to get peace. Remove sickness and disease and yes, we'll have peace. Remove discrimination and injustice and we can have peace. But here's the problem, Marjorie. That is simply temporary. It's like Tylenol for a headache. It relieves the pain for a little while, but we have not gotten to the root of the problem. John 16 and 33 says, I have told you this, that in this life you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I come to tell you this morning that that's, yes, there is, we can function and move towards a temporary peace, but my question to you, do you want a permanent peace? Because a permanent peace comes from God. You listen, church, and the reason why it's temporary because we know something about trouble. We are in one of three categories. You're either in trouble, on your way to trouble, or just getting out of trouble. Trouble is an equal opportunity provider, which means and says to you and me that if we remove trouble, trouble's coming back. So peace can't be just the removal, the absence of trouble. It is the peace is the presence of God. Let me say it again. Peace is not just the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of God. God's presence is peace. The prophet Isaiah put it this way. He will keep you in perfect peace if you keep your mind stayed on him. Anybody want peace this morning? But the question before us this morning, what kind of peace do you want? Are you looking for a temporary peace or do you want a permanent peace? The peace that only comes from God. Paul wrote to the church of Philippi, peace of God which transcend all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. We are called the beloved community because we are called to bring peace on earth. Why? Because the presence, the Prince of Peace lives inside of you and me. Peace is there to be found despite the trouble, the situation, and the problem. As a matter of fact, Sue, you help me because your favorite hymn actually helps us know where permanent peace is. Here it is. Hark the arrows, angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Here it is. Peace on earth and mercy's mild. God 
and sinner. Come on, y'all don't know the hymn then. Lord have mercy. God and sinner reconciled. That, what church, is where our permanent peace comes from. This is where we are in the text this morning. <laughs> we find ourselves at the farewell discourse. It is Jesus' last conversation and lesson with what, will, what I call Jesus' beloved community. In, this, in less than 24 hours, Jesus is leaving them. So he's preparing them for his absence. What I find interesting, Bob, is that Jesus is the all-seeing and all-knowing God, and nothing catches him by surprise. We understand theologically that everything that will happen to Jesus is orchestrated in God's bigger plan. What I believe is fair to say that God knows what is coming next for the disciples. Alan, I believe that he knows the confusion. He knows the trauma. He knows the division. He knows the persecution. He knows the fear that's coming in just a few hours and the days ahead. He doesn't have, but watch this, Tolu. He doesn't have one conversation on how to remove the trouble that is about to come. He doesn't have one conversation on teaching his disciples on how to move trouble. His conversation is about preparing his disciples for his absence. And he prepares them by reminding them what is present even in his absence. He lets them know that you still have something present in my absence. And so verses 14 through 26 lets them know what's present. He says, first of all, you have the presence of the Holy Spirit in verses 14 through 17. He said, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you with, be with you forever, the spirit of truth. He tells them there's the presence of the Holy Spirit. He goes on in verses 18 and 20, says it's the presence of the Son. He says, I am still going to be with you. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me. He says, I'm not leaving you as orphans, but I will be amongst you. You have the presence of the Holy Spirit. You have the presence of the Son. But then he says, you still have the presence of the Father. He says, Jesus, verses 23 through 24, here it is. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. He will come to them, make, out, make a home with them. Anyone who does not love me, not obey me, these words here are not my own. They belong to the Father. What is Jesus saying? That peace is not the absence of trouble, but peace is found in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That unity that's in that is what Jesus is going after as our peace. His preparation for the absence is giving the disciples the ability to recognize God's presence in his absence. The psalmist says it is in the presence of the Lord that we have the fullness of joy. 
Listen, John writes about his presence throughout the entire book. The whole book really is about, if anybody has studied the book of John, he goes and talks about the I am statements. The seven times he deals with where, what, who God is, the presence of God in their lives, just through the I am statements. And John, let, let me, I'm not making it up. In John chapter 6, he says, I am the bread of life. The bread of life sustains life. So Christ is the one that sustains our spirit. He says, I am the light of the world, the world lost in darkness, but Christ himself as our God. I am the door of the shepherd. In John 10, Jesus protects his followers. Shepherd, he's the, our shepherd. I am the resurrection and life. Death is not the final word for the believer. I am the good shepherd. Jesus committed to caring and protecting us. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Just Bob taught us last week. He is the source to our Father. And then even next week and week after next, we'll be talking about I am the true vine. Seven times he addresses them as, as so we could see his presence. The idea of a trinity was not in Jewish culture, but this I am. They could get this I am. And so then we, then Grace City, the question becomes for us, as the beloved community who's called to bring the permanent peace, that is the presence of God, we bring this permanent peace in any situation because we know some things. We know the character of peace, Grace City. We know the character of peace. Look at verse 27. Peace I leave with you. He says, peace, Aaron, I leave with you. Jesus is about to depart, but his purpose is to reconcile humanity to the divinity. That there is peace between God and man. In order for us to truly have peace, we must recognize the presence of God who has reconciled us back to himself. Somebody say amen. Before he goes to the cross, he's letting his disciples know that they are reconciled and they have peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. The relationship that was broken is now back together. The broken relationship in the Garden of Eden is in just a few hours is going to be put back together in the Garden of Gethsemane. The word, listen, in Greek for is the word irene. Here it is, watch this. It's tranquil state of the soul assured of their salvation. <laughs> Let me help you understand something. Peace starts with understanding that I'm saved from a good God, with a, by a good God. That's the greatest peace we can have is our salvation, the tranquility of our salvation. Jesus wants them to know the first thing. You have peace. I come to bring peace between you and me. Jesus tells the disciple, I am leaving you, and I will go, but I'm not leaving you not redeemed. I'm not leaving you. I'm leaving you, but you're rescued. I'm leaving you, but you're restored. I'm leaving you because you, I want you to know you are connected back to me. That's the lesson he's teaching his disciples. 
That's where peace is. Our peace starts with understanding that we have totally been back restored to the Father. Grace City, the character of peace, that God, who is the subject of peace, and humanity is the object of peace, the character of peace is that we have peace with God. There is no permanent peace without peace with God. Let me say it again. There is no permanent peace without peace in God. Paul writes to the church at Rome, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the first thing we see, we know, is that the character of peace, which is peace with God. But there's a second thing I see is the cause of peace, which is peace with one another. The cause of peace, which is peace. Here it is. Watch this. He says, my peace I give you. My peace I give you. See, the cause of peace is we know that Jesus, after he leaves, gives us his peace that comes from Jesus residing with us. You got it. He said this in verse 23. Well, here's 23. Here's the words. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make, watch this, our home with him. If Christ resides in us, he says, my peace I give to you. Paul says to the church of Galatia, here it is. Paul, I like the way Paul put it. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself to me. The same peace that Jesus kept calm in the face of mockery, scorn, hostility, hatred, betrayal, death, is the same peace that's available to you and me. In order for the beloved community to bring peace, we have to know that the Prince of Peace lives in you and me. Jesus lives when he reconciled us. He lives in you and me. And there's no other peace greater than the acknowledgement and the understanding of that. We do this in Christ's strength. It is this peace that Christ leaves with us that allows us to have peace with one another. This peace provides with serenity, freedom from worry, anxiety that is infected by our circumstances. The Hebrew writer writes it this way. Fix their eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who has set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. The fully awareness that, Christ, that we are reconciled back to God, the fully awareness that because of the strength that is within Christ Jesus, we can now reconcile with one another. Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus and wrote these words. But now in Christ... You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made two groups. One has destroyed the, and destroyed the barriers of the dividing walls of hostility. That's what, <laughs> that is the peace that Jesus gives. Jesus is the peace, the one that brings us peace to one another. So we have the character of peace, peace with God. We have the cause of peace, the peace with one another. But the last thing I see here is the contrast of peace, and that's peace with oneself. That's peace 
with oneself. He says these words, I do not give you as the world gives. I do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Here it is. See, the world peace offers a momentary peace experience through self-indulgence, materialism, romance, love, sometimes substance abuse. This peace is a pseudo-peace. Listen, there's no peace in the world without peace with God. Listen, psychotherapy is great, but psychotherapy is even temporary. You go back. Why? Because true peace only comes from the presence of God. Jesus contrasts his contrast this, this permanent peace in, on the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 6 and 25. Listen to these words. You've heard it before. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or your bodies or what you will wear. Is it not life more than food or body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the air. They do not sow, reap, sow away of barns, and yet Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than that? Can any one you worry about a single thing on a, in your life? Why do you worry about clothes? Why do you worry about this thing? He says, look, go for the peace, this, the permanent peace. He goes to his verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things <laughs> will be added to you. I think that's important for us, Grace City, to understand there's a contrast in our peace. The story is told of two painters working for a contest where each said they could paint a picture of peace. One painter uh, paints a, a, a picture where it's calm, it's nice picture, no, the sun is shining, everything is still, still waters, you can see the sun shining up off of the water, it's just so peaceful. He said, that's my picture of peace. Then there was another painter, he, he said, I'm going to paint my picture of peace, and it's sea raging, it's storms, it's dark, the picture is dark, and all kind of rocks all over the place, I mean, it's just chaos. And then there's this little bird in between the rocks whistling. And he says, that's my peace. And the question for us this morning, <laughs> what peace do you want? Do you want a permanent peace or do you want a temporary peace? Because permanent peace comes from our God. One of the songs that we sang is, it is well with my soul. Well, the writer of that song is a man named Horatio Spafford. Uh, he knew something about the challenges of life. He was a successful attorney, real estate investor, who lost a fortune in 1871. Around the same time, he lost his four-year-old son who died of scarlet fever. He decided after that overwhelming time, he needed to get some peace. They needed to get away. And so he took his family, and they, they went away on a trip to go into England. Planning, he planned to join them, but while they were going on the trip the, to, through the Atlantic, there was a terrible collision. More than 200 people lost their lives, including 
Horatio Spracio's daughter. His wife, Anna, survived the tragedy. All four of his children were lost. Upon arrival to England, a telegram was sent to him, said this, saved alone, what shall I do? Horatio immediately set sail for England. At the one point during his voyage, the captain of the ship stopped and kept, called Horatio and said, this is the area where the crash occurred. And Horatio Spafford began to put pen, put, began to take a pen out and write these words. When peace like a river attend my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Horatio Spafford found a peace that only comes from God. The Apostle Paul writes it this way. But we have a treasure in this jar of clay to show that all surpassing power in from God, not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus Christ so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Paul continues the conversation in verse 17, and this is where it gets good to me. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but the end that the seen is eternal. God doesn't give us a temporary peace for this earth, but he gives us an eternal peace that takes us back to heaven. I say, peace I give to you, and peace I leave you. Amen.